And welcome back to another exciting episode of Catch Ups in My Kitchen with me, Georgia Simmons, host of the podcast. This week, we are joined by Sunny, co founder of Well Easy, which is a Costco of health and well being products, where they stock 4,000 products. And with a yearly membership, you get up to 35% off of the RRP of the products, which are then delivered to your door. Guys, honestly, this is the future of food, health, and well-being, and Sunny and I deep dive into where it all went wrong with supermarkets. As soon as you walk into a supermarket, you are under their spell. They influence your purchasing decision and make you believe that something is healthy or good for you when actually they're probably just paid to do so by the brands. There is so much politics that go into supermarkets, as with any business. You know, there's a relationship between the buyers and the brands, there's a pressure on profit and everything in between. But what WellEasy are trying to do is make consumers fall in love with the ingredients again, take pride in what they consume and make it more accessible to consumers on a price and convenience level. I loved this conversation so much and found it super interesting. Sunny is so passionate and I think you will learn a lot here. So let's jump straight in and as always, have a lovely, lovely rest of your day. Sunny, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk about all things Well Easy. But first of all, how are you? I'm very good. And yourself? Yeah, good. Thank you. So do you mind giving me a quick elevator pitch, who you are, what you do? Yes, so I'm Sunny, as you mentioned. I'm one of the co-founders of WellEasy. Um, was set up by myself and a longtime friend, Josh. My friend is about 12 years old. We are an online membership health food store that offers a, cu- a curated range of about 4,000 different sort of health and wellness products, best kind of food, supplements, home, beauty products that are on the market. But with our membership model, we offer them up to 35% off RRP, so delivered to your door. So we're kind of like a, a Costco of health and wellness. Um, and we set that up about sort of two years ago, going well at the minute. So yeah, busy, amazing. fun day job at the minute. Amazing, yeah. amazing. I do think this is slightly the future of food and wellness. We'll get yeah. into all of this, but the fact that you can deliver this range with this discount, like it's kind of the perfect harmony. But we'll get into all of that in more detail in a second. Firstly, I have a quick fire round about mm-hmm. all things food. Sweet or savory? Savory. Pizza or pasta? Pasta. What's your go-to cuisine? Ooh, it is Italian pasta. Yeah. Cook in or eat out? Cook in. And what is your go-to delivery? Go to probably five guys. Yeah. Five guys whenever delivery. I do love five guys. Yeah, yeah. good one. So I want to start a yeah. university mm-hmm. because I feel like that's where this whole idea stemmed from, I believe. Mm-hmm. So you could have had a few health struggles at university. Do you mind going into that in more detail? What happened and then how that stemmed the idea for Well Easy? Yeah, 100%. So... First year, second year university, very, very into fitness. Um, kind of got, I guess, quite early into that scene, but a lot of people were getting into kind of fitness and the gym and kind of the time when Gymshark was coming about and all the other stuff was there. And became very obsessive with calorie counting at the same time. So training sort of two, three times a day, that became obsessive. It's probably a running theme. I'm, I'm quite an obsessive person with these things. And yeah, just just progressively started to, to calorie count and restrict more and more and more. Was trying to get in shape for kind of a holiday that I had that year, and I couldn't break the cycle after a long time of doing it. I couldn't eat more. I, I started to feel quite bad. It obviously affected my mental health at the same time, and I was on probably fourteen, fifteen hundred calories for for a few months straight. Wow. 
And I started to see, you know, there's, there's a bunch of issues that come with that, right? It kind of feels good in the moment of, you know, you lost weight, you look good, you're hungry all the time, but that doesn't matter because you look good. And then, yeah, a bunch of different health struggles that, that happened after that, just feeling tired, feeling exhausted, uh, mentally just feeling so kind of worn out, being very anxious and stressed about food and, and consuming anything, couldn't really go out with friends anymore. And it took, it took a while for me to realize that there's just something I, I kind of need to do about it. But my whole process of, of rediscovery and overcoming that was understanding the value and importance of nutrition in food and start to value that more than just kind of a, a calories in, calories out type logic and approach to it all. So really looking at, at ingredients that were in food and what was kind of going to be best for my body and just exploring that whole space. But what I soon found is that despite having that knowledge and buying things that I wanted to and kind of buying things online and um, feeling better myself was then kind of back to normal eating, training quite a lot. It was so expensive, difficult and actually just confusing, you know, unless you spent all the time kind of looking into the stuff to know what was healthy because you walk into any supermarket or something up and down the high street and the first products you see have ingredients that you, you don't even pronounce, you can't even pronounce them and they sell for like 50, 60 pence. And then the better brand or better product that's good for you might not even be in the supermarket, might be online somewhere and is usually sold at a premium price. So that was kind of the, the whole ethos behind what we do, but it stemmed from that health struggle. Amazing. Firstly, like what you just spoke about then about kind of like your relationship with food, mm. it's kind of like why I did the podcast because food is so much more than what we eat. Mm. Uh, although it, like it fuels our body, but it helps our mental health, our social situations. Like I'm pretty sure maybe yeah. going through that time, you lost some relationships with friends or you weren't as sociable and like it affects every part of us. 100%. So it is really interesting to hear that. And I also think it's interesting because you hear this quite often with girls and they're quite open and the kind of female, I, don't, I guess it's a type of disorder, let's say it's a disorder. So yeah. that kind of disordered eating is really, really spoken about and mm. talked about. But with guys, I feel like it's more hidden. And maybe yeah. you've experienced this talking with friends and stuff, but actually guys can hide it quite well. Don't often talk about it, but also go through something really similar. Um, so I think it's so, so interesting. So how did you break that cycle? Yeah, yeah, yeah just coming back to your point, it is, it is really interesting because it's something that doesn't get talked about too much. And I think it's a weird one because I think you probably have to have a little bit of like an obsessive personality in order to, to kind of experience that. And I think most of like, especially people in that space, like so the guy bodybuilders and things, they've all got some sort of disordered eating that, that has come from it. You know, none of them kind of eat in the, in the right way. So yeah, and it was a stressful time. I remember going out for times, I laugh sometimes looking back, but I remember like trying to encourage my friends to go for pizza or something, but I would sit there and not eat a pizza because I would feel good about not eating a pizza while they're eating pizza and things like that. Like, it was really toxic, right, the yeah. whole time. Um, so yeah, it causes a lot of issues. I think that it, it took a while for me to, to kind of really break through it. Um, I remember you know, being even on holiday with my family and still then I was just like stressed about what I was eating. I didn't want to eat more. I took like protein bars. I took protein shakes on holiday with me. And I think my parents were just like, you're just a bit fanatical. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I, pro I probably am at that time. But I think I, I opened my mind up to some information that was out there. One of them was actually kind of veganism. Um, I started to look at veganism and think, okay, the benefits that come with veganism, are there health benefits? You know, what are the health benefits they say? And kind of tried and experimented with different approaches just because it allowed me to shift the value from like, not just how I looked and like calorie counting, but onto like, what was I doing for my body? That was going to help like my body like internally as well and start mm -hmm. to value that side and like i think the biggest thing for me is i realized that when i start making those changes my energy just felt different 
I was still always, I was always getting up. I've always been an early riser. I was always getting up, like reading books and, and kind of doing a lot at university. But like, I was when I was calorie counting, I was doing it like exhausted. Like I was, I was so tired. I couldn't go out in the evenings and stuff. And yeah, with this, I just felt better. Like my, my day felt better. My work was more productive. So I tried veganism for a bit and then kind of tailored that back and then just settled it in this kind of really, you know, what they encourage a lot of you, this kind of balanced Mediterranean style approach to, to what you eat, you know, looking at things like fats for the first time and seeing the value of actually having fats in your diet rather than being like, oh, that's just wasted calories. Like, mm. honestly, calories can be very, very like toxic. Mm. Um, so eating eggs again, eating avocados again, eating things that were high in fat for the nutritional value. So that was it, but it took it took a long time. It wasn't easy. Podcasts helped. Um, probably hearing conversations like this massively yeah. helped. Just open your mind up, and finding people in the space on socials really, really helped. So yeah. like Andrew Hubermans of the world and the others in the health space, right? Ben Greenfield and people like that. So that yeah. really helped. No, it is super interesting. And I actually had a physio come on the podcast, and he was saying that he meets um, runners and athletes on a daily basis, and they all have eating disorders. And it is so mm-hmm. crazy. But actually, I was kind of thinking as you were talking, like, what is normal eating? I think we all have those moments of control and obsessiveness. And 100%. I think you have to kind of go through that to then find your balance. 100%. Um, so, yeah, I do think it is. It is super interesting. Mm. So you met Josh at university. No, you met him before university. We've so explain your yeah. relationship with Josh. Yeah, so Josh and I have been friends since probably about 12 years old. So we, we grew up playing football against each other. Um, so same kind of area at home and friends in school that was where we were, were kind of friends first um, so kind of school friends he went off to Birmingham University and I went off to Bristol University and the reason we kind of kept in touch is because we had a similar health struggle um, mm. his was slightly different in the sense that he had really bad exposure to black mould so you can imagine those first year university halls right with yes. the mould that was on like the, the ceiling and stuff like that so I think it was like in his second year or whatever he got really unwell and didn't know why and did a few tests, kind of looked at the general environment, what he was living in. And yeah, he was exposed to, to quite high levels of mold, which wow. potentially causes his illness. And went on that journey then to, to kind of reheal himself. What could he do nutritionally that would help to, to detoxify against the, the mold that was there? So we kept in touch for that reason. And also because you kind of go off to university and you find yourself a little bit more going towards the things that you like and enjoy and startups was a big part of that I had two companies at university Josh also had had two different companies at university so we stayed in touch because we're like on a similar wavelength does that make sense yeah came to the final year of uni we've been applying for like the exact same jobs and roles in in similar startups things that things that are out there and just said to each other look like we both wanted to do this for a while you know why don't we just the pandemic hit things are going to change why don't we just see what we can do give it like a year and just test it out and had this same love and also issue that in the sense that healthy living was just too expensive like we loved all the products in this space probably as much as you do right like you you fall in love with these brands Mm. but to buy them regularly it is expensive expensive. it really is expensive and you're so right it is also really confusing you know we have so much information out there right now about like what to eat, what not to eat, what to be aware of on the back of packets, all of these things. But sometimes they're really contradictory and you're like, I just don't know what to believe anymore. So it is a really, really confusing space. Mm -hmm. And it is expensive. Maybe you want a certain protein powder. Maybe you want a certain plant-based milk, granola, like all these premium products, add them all up. It's an expensive food shop. So how did you then go about creating Well Easy? So it took us a while. So we actually had a, a different business that we launched first in the same space. So same mission, and we had the same question you just asked there, like how would we go about tackling this space? 
And the first business we actually launched was I'd had some previous experience in kind of B2B selling to companies, right, in terms of perks. And one of those um, that we kind of settled on was just snack boxes, just healthy snacks, right? If we can get into those offices and get into the hands of people, companies can justify that expense. We can stock up their offices with better for you products, get some of these snacks, you know, on the market to be discovered by these people. However, as that business was growing and we had some good PR and we had some good coverage of it, when people moved home because of the pandemic, we became like a care package system mm. and we lost any ability to actually connect with the, the person receiving what we were sending out. And it was all like one-offs, right? Just a company would come to us and even big companies, ones that surprise you like Cardo and Amazon, you think like they could do it themselves, right? But they would come to us and say, could you send out 100, 200 snack boxes? But it was just one and done and that was it. And mm. we really struggled with that because it was like, we were packing stuff ourselves, similar experience probably what, what you've had, right? Yeah. So it, it becomes very tedious. And we were like, that's not the mission we'd set out to solve. We, we, we haven't connected the two. So while that was running, it was a profitable business. That's when we kind of looked again at the market after about, I would say after about a year. And we thought, how can we take this, this kind of problem that we have one step further and really solve it? Mm-hmm. And fell in love with one of the giants of, of products at good prices, which is Costco. And Costco, yeah. like, you know, most people know Costco is probably one of the best business models um, yeah. that's ever existed. So we were just like, is there a chance to do this for health and wellness? But I guess the only downside with Costco is it's not convenient because it's far away. Like, how many times do I look at a Costco? Like, I don't see it very often. I know they, where they are. Mm-hmm. I drive past it and go, oh, there it is. You know, it's big giant there. But yeah. how often do, does the average person actually walk into a Costco? Like, it's actually not that often. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And we, we thought the same thing. And Costco here is probably different to Costco in the US, right, in terms of how people relate to the brand. You know, as you say, in the US, people drive all the time. They've got big cars, big kitchens. Mm. Costco makes a ton of sense. UK, smaller kitchens, people don't drive as much. And obviously, it's why Costco isn't as popular as it is in the US. However, the underlying business model and the incentive that that had, we we just fell in love with. So we were like, okay, can we do this online? Can we get rid of any kind of expense or overhead of having a store or having someone like that? Just do it purely online. The UK is very, very big for kind of e-commerce. Amazon does really well here. Health and wellness in particular, health and wellness e-commerce is very, very big because mm. people can't really go to supermarkets sometimes to find those products. So we just saw there was an opportunity to combine this model in, in its forms. We're still kind of iterating, we're still improving. Mm. But yeah, that underlying Costco model online has worked quite well for us. Amazing. There's one thing here that is like screaming at me, which is the fact that you have about 40,000 brands. Am I right in saying that? 4,000. 4,000. Okay, still big number. Yeah. So you've now got this idea. Yeah. And how do you, the logistics, like how do you get your hands on 4,000 brands? Mm. How do you do this? Because I know from Greedy Vegan, I had not 4,000 brands. I probably had about 50 brands. And I'm like, oh my God, again, that was like chaos. So mm. how did you do it? Did you start in a flat? Did you go straight to kind of like a warehouse? Tell me a little bit more about behind the scenes. So um, 4,000 products in the store, probably about 400 brands, right? In total, mm-hmm. Because obviously certain brands might have 10, 20, 30 products rather than the store, but 4,000 products. We'd had the experience similar to you of starting something completely from the garage, right? And packing boxes. So we literally went back to square one convinced my parents to allow us to you know have another chance another stab at just doing something in the garage and, and kind of building it together they're like here they're we go again <laughs> yeah for sure but very very supportive at the same time yeah and we it was a mixture so we knew that with this model and what we wanted to do in the space we wanted to work directly with brands right and the benefits of 
what Costco do and having that smaller range. So you think we'll probably never go past about five, 6,000 products. Costco has about 5,000 products, whereas like Ocado has like 90,000 products, right? Mm. So when you stay curating and focus, it gives you the chance to work directly, which you get a better margin, you get better kind of negotiation power with the brands, but you also get a better relationship with the brands. But also you get economies of scale quicker because the sell-through rate through 5,000 products is far quicker than sell through of 90,000. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So yeah. you're kind of, you're constantly improving. So as long as it's the right range, which is really important, then then we knew that would work. So we started working directly with as many brands as we could because that allows us to pass more savings over to customers as well. Um, not to say that we went direct to the whole range. We kind of used some of the wholesalers that were out there at the same time. So we balanced that kind of wholesale and direct approach. But obviously we, we learned these things over time. So at the start, it literally was open a few accounts, reach out to a few brands, Probably for the first year, we got to about a thousand products mm-hmm. and, and maybe about 150 brands. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of, it was getting there, but at the same time with the membership, people want a good range because in order to justify paying that membership, you want to be able to shop, shop for a decent amount of products, make more savings on products and see those savings. And if there's only one product you can find, it doesn't quite work. So had to kind of really build that range up quickly, but yeah, just literally shipping it in to a garage, ordered boxes, ordered stickers. We had a Shopify store, and Google Ads, right? Just put some money. We, we took out some some loans. You get the startup loans. So we took out ten thousand each, and we just put that into to Google Shopping Ads. And we had people coming through the door, and just learn as much as we could as quickly as we could. And fortunately, it consumed the house very very quickly. We ended up packing all over the house, and then we we already had a warehouse connection or fulfillment connection from our previous business. Fine. So we said, look. This is what we're doing now. Scary news is that old business we're probably going to put to rest. Mm-hmm. But we've got a new business that's going even even better. And since that day, he's been the best partner we've ever worked with. Wow, amazing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, one a massive bonus here for customers is obviously the savings. So can you explain a little bit about the membership and like kind of how that works? Because I think that's what's so unique about WellEasy and what yeah. works so well, especially at the moment where everyone is being a lot more careful. Saving money, obviously, where you can is huge. So like, how does that work? So if you think, if you're a, like you are, right, you're, you're a, a lover of health and wellness products, mm-hmm. more often than not, your typical journey at the minute is you're shopping at multiple different places. So you might get some stuff from Sainsbury's on your shop, there's health, the healthy focus. You might have four or five different e-commerce brands you buy online that you have to pay for either on a subscription or whatever, or you might even have to kind of bulk stock up on just one product just to make free shipping. Because if you're buying one online, you're going to be charged shipping as well. So because of the inconvenience and the scattered nature of health and wellness, it's all fragmented. So what WellEasy represents is not only the first ever one-stop shop, so most, if not all of those products, we'd hope it'd be all of those products that you like and you buy often, are in one place for the first time ever online. But with the membership model on top, we can pass over more savings of up to 35% off RRP. So you're not only getting the savings on time, convenience, and also not paying shipping fees and having things in one place, but then because of the efficiency of our model, we can then pass over the savings so we make money from the membership rather than the orders if that makes sense so right. 48 pounds a year for a customer to sign up with us within two three shops they make that back mm-hmm. um, and the rest is additional savings so on average customers save about 250 pounds a year um, doing about sort of eight to nine shops across the year with us wow that is absolutely crazy mm. so i want to ask a bit about the food system and supermarkets in the uk and, mm. and why it's so challenging for your average consumer like why are we struggling so much? Why why aren't there more, like why do we need, obviously we know why we need Well Easy, it's a great business model and it's a great business, but yeah. like, you know, what is wrong with the kind of food system at the moment in the UK? So at this moment in time, um, and we're 
deep diving into all of this at the minute as much as we can, but we have obviously some knowledge that, that we've built up over time of this. It's kind of not, it's not really the fault of the consumer, it's more so the food industry. But even then, there's kind of no real one culprit to blame. Obviously, sometimes you can turn to big food and say it's their fault, you know, they're peddling crappy products. And, and to an extent they are, but also they've got restrictions on what they do as well. So the issue is for far too long in the UK now, but in a good way, we've had an overproduction of food in the sense that most people, you know, there is food there. We've got an abundance of food, so we're not living in a scarcity thing. So what that means is that as a as a food-based brand or business, your whole business is centered upon how much of a product can you shift to one person and how many times can you get them to consume it? So it's all about you know that profit generating machine, right? That's how you can only make money in this space to do that. So for years and years, those big kind of companies in the world have had that front and center. So if they bring a new product out, they have to do it on taste, they have to taste test it, they want you to buy as much as you possibly can of that product, they want you to buy it as, much, as often as you possibly can as well because that's how they get their lifetime value, that's how they get the profit of what they do. And what that's happened over time is you've got this whole new movement now like ultra processed food and you've got big food companies that have just been in that whole rat race machine of just how can we make something more tasty? How can we maximize profit from it? How can we get people to consume it more and more and more? And when you do that, you start to then substitute chemicals into food that make it tastier, things that make you hungrier in food because you want more and more profit from that customer. And we've got this whole cycle that's just continued and continued and continued because now economies of scale means those products are also cheaper too. So that's how like the food system's kind of taken a wrong turn. But then on the other side, you've got this growing health and wellness market of different brands that are starting to put back value on ingredients and nutritional information in food, you know, kind of cutting away from that whole low fat and all the other stuff that comes with it. You've got better brands out there now that do have good ingredients and, and, and good values in their products, which is the sort of things that you like, you consume and other people in the space consume. However, when you're a new brand coming into that space, because the supply chains are so much more expensive to go find an organic ingredient because our food system isn't set up like that, they're naturally a more expensive product anyway, mm. meaning that they have to appeal to a very certain type of customer like we were talking about vegans and, and the name earlier. You have to be really specific about the customer you're going for because at this moment in time, you can't just sell to everyone as a new brand. So you've got to be really specific, which means that supermarkets often don't want to stock that product too much because they have to know that something will sell and if it's a new brand on the market, it's kind of a risky punt to take it. Um, and more often than not, when a brand comes into a supermarket that's better for you and gets onto a shelf, one of those big food giants will see that that trend is emerging and they'll make their own version with slightly worse ingredients and kind of encourage customers to trade down mm. and then also spend on marketing because they've got the budgets to do so, right? So you've got this really, really hard dichotomy for a brand to actually break through to a supermarket system. And then what also happens is when a supermarket does take these brands on, because most of the time, in years gone by and hopefully we're changing this hopefully the market is changing these products are sold to people that can afford them and kind of more you know a, more a premium price supermarkets will deliberately play on that so not only will they sell them at rrp they'll sell them at 10 to 20 percent above rrp in terms of what they were saying rrp being recommended retail price right mm -hmm. so you, and you'll have this you, you walk into a planet organic you walk into a whole foods you walk into waitrose those products are being sold at a price premium. So not only are they being sold at the price that brands recommend that, they're being sold at a price premium, mm. right? So the whole system just becomes even more catering for those that can afford it. So you've got this massive dichotomy of the two here. So what needs to happen and what we're trying to build back into the system is more and more awareness from the general consumer about the value that is in these products that is there and building with those brands that really care about access to healthy food and trying to make that more accessible and almost just coming away from the supermarkets to be its own online destination because the supermarkets are never really gonna be able to do 
what, what we're trying to do because they're so governed by that whole broken food system. Yeah, that was a very long explanation, but no, I hope that sums but it, it does. Yeah. It sounds so political when you yeah. get into supermarkets. Mm. Like it is such a game there. You know, you've got the buyers, you've got this. It, it's is a whole world when you get into supermarkets, and I guess awesome. that makes sense that the actual purpose, if you strip all that back, the actual kind of purpose of good healthy food being sold to customers kind of gets lost amongst the whole mess of everything else they, they need to make profit and, yeah. and understandably so right any business needs to needs to make profit mm. but obviously it becomes really hard to balance that then so until there's enough demand on a on a nationwide scale for those types of products the healthier product or the healthier alternative will never be at a price point that's accessible to everyone mm. until that demand is there, if that makes sense. So it yeah. really is a hard one. And it's not, you know, supermarkets aren't like the evil bad guys, but they're caught in this complete trap of how mm. do we break this food system? Because it's so hard. Yeah, and also like they control us. Like they control 100%. what we buy. Like they can, you know, promote certain products. They can lead us down certain aisles. Like once you enter those doors like you're not really in control well you kind of are but not really in control of like what you're buying because they can really really kind of advise you and yeah con you in a way into buying things that you think are healthy but actually aren't so i guess well easy is a like a level playing field in terms of in comparison to supermarkets exactly that and, and as you mentioned you know they in, a, in an industry and you know this as well as I do food is quite a low margin industry right so mm-hmm. it's hard to make a hell of a lot of money from food because the margin is smaller you rely on more repeat purchases you, you make your profit over time rather than up front in terms of one sale so you, you do have to be careful and balance that out and when marketing budgets are offered by big companies like P&G and Unilever because they've also got to make money and they've got money to spend on marketing and their product gets front and center of, of the thing and the, and the better product gets like traded down or, or moved to a lower shelf like yeah you are you are kind of being manipulated by marketing tactics and it's just it's so hard to break it's very difficult space yeah. to break that, that will take time definitely mm. definitely no that is that mm. is quite scary mm. and one of my questions was about ultra processed foods actually and like kind of your thoughts on it because I feel like it's really really difficult now to find products that aren't kind of ultra processed and I mean I had the co-founder of Huel on the podcast and he is kind of head of nutrition and we had a big conversation about what is processed and ultra processed and if you kind of really strip it back everything is processed like cheese and plant milk and like you know it's not at its natural source yeah. but ultra processed it really is rare now to find things that aren't like what are your kind of yeah where do you stand on it all it's a really interesting space and and to be honest it's something i'm really delving into as much as i can at the minute so i'm still learning as much as i can about the space before kind of vocalizing two two strong opinions on it Uh, but i think that is the nature of the space we are still all learning at the same time Mm. you are right it's a very difficult one you know if, if i decided tomorrow i wanted to go completely cut out ultra processed food it's very difficult because there are so many things now that that probably you could, could deem ultra-processed. But a good rule of thumb that is existing in that space in terms of definitions is kind of anything that wouldn't be found in a, in a domestic kitchen is kind of the best way to look at it, right? So any kind of um, xanthan gums and, and different emulsifiers, right, that are kind of chemicals, right, things that aren't really a food product. You, you know, you wouldn't go in your cupboard and find xanthan gum or some other thing yeah. that's in there, or guar gum, for example. So they're kind of your, your real your real big headlines for ultra-processed food and things to look out for. But I think, you know, I think it's more of a case of conversation should be around reducing intake of ultra-processed food for a minute rather than just cutting it out completely. I think we, we should be aware of it and we should kind of work towards just cutting it out as much as we can. But I think for the minute to cut out completely is, is quite a difficult thing to do. Even mm. a, a retailer like us, even some of our products 
you probably could consider to be ultra processed. Now we're working hard to actually try and make our range not that way, um, but still got a lot of work to be done on that. But it is still hard when brands come to market. As I mentioned, you know, you are a new brand, you want to become accessible to people, you're, you're new on the market, you also need to make a profit to stay alive, and you get offered a chance to replace an ingredient in a product with a slightly cheaper ingredient. It becomes very, very you know, satisfying to do mm. that. And I think you're seeing that now with even with like seed oils are a good example, right? So sunflower oil, rapeseed oil, and things like that. You know, we've, we're the first supermarket in the UK to have a seed oil free section because people wow. are looking at that more and more, right? In terms of those kind of replacements for, for oils, instead of using olive oil, you might use something like seed oils, for example. So awareness of that space is growing more and more. I think process, I would agree, is absolutely fine in the sense that cooking is to some extent processing mm. food. But yeah, I think we, we need to get back to a, a system that doesn't just have 20,000 different ingredients on the back of a product. Mm. And we need to get back to a system that prioritizes nutritional value, ingredients. You know, at the end of the day, food is ingredients, right? It's not the makeup of ingredients. That is, that is just generally food. So you should look at a product in future and be able to see genuinely good ingredients. And we, we love the space more so because we're seeing more and more brands really prioritize that. So we've got a clean mayonnaise and, and condiments rage on the store with Hunter and Gather. And it's just it's just how ingredients should be. It's just olive oil, apple cider vinegar, and it tastes amazing, right? And yeah. that's that's kind of it's getting back to that what I'm really a big fan of and, and well easy we are as well. And even you know, you, you walk into a supermarket and you've got Walker's crisps and again they are ultra processed and mm. they're not good for you. They've got different chemical processes that have gone on. But we've now got a brand on the store called Torres, or we've got another one called Trafo or San Nicasio, and they're just olive oil crisps. Yeah. It's just how it should be. And they taste amazing, mm. right? And it's kind of getting back to that approach of loving the ingredients back into our food, which I think ultra processed food stands in the way of, if that yeah. makes sense. So processed, fine. I think ultra processed, we could all do with cutting it down. And the ones that get the, the biggest knock-on effect and the downsides tend to be kids. Yeah. It's really in schools and things, right? And they get marketed to, like we said earlier, with you know bloody monkeys on cereal boxes yeah things like that right and there were most cereals and most bread products in supermarkets are ultra processed mm. so it's 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 a minefield but i yeah. think yeah we really do need to be aware of it because and it shouldn't just be justified on the grounds that processing is fine because they're different things yeah cooking is processing fermenting is processing you know as you said cheese could be a processed food but yeah the ultra processed is kind of a different ball game that we need to start being aware of yeah definitely i think it's just trying to find that balance again isn't it like if we really wanted to cut it out completely like you said we get back into the obsessive controlling ways that we spoke about earlier in the episode and I think yeah. it's just trying to find the balance between the two and being aware and, and it's education as well and obviously like you mentioned with children like it's the adults it's the parents yeah. that we're trying to educate because I guess maybe the ultra processed again it's maybe they're run by the food giants so therefore it's cheaper therefore it's more convenient therefore it's quick and grab and go um, probably marketed to you in supermarkets so it's yeah it's a challenge and another one on that I think is plant-based like mm. I think plant-based is going through a bit of a, a stage at the moment where people are looking twice at it and I think that's because with any trend which plant-based was a very high trend at one point it's now beginning to level out but with any trend like big brands come into the space and create their own versions of plant-based alternatives and fill it with all these ultra-processed foods all these awful ingredients and you're like well actually you choose plant-based to be healthier for you you're turning around on these turning the packet around on these alternative products and they're not good for you at all mm. they've got all these ingredients in so then suddenly plant-based is deemed as like a fad and it's not good for you at all mm. and it's like can we just strip it back to basics on all accounts and remember that like a crisp like you said is potato olive oil like let's just stick to that plant-based is plants it's vegetables obviously you can have your a few alternatives and there's some amazing cheese alternatives and all of that but like 
just strip it back to basics but again you can't be too obsessive because you got to find a balance otherwise yeah it's it is a challenge out there but I think if you're aware and trying that's the best that you can you can do really it's it's the best that you can do but also you know I think it's the guy the the real expert on this guy is a guy called Chris Van Tulliken who kind of wrote the ultra processed people book recently right Mm. very very good book and he's he's kind of the, the top guy in the space and it really isn't people's fault that they kind of consume these bad things, right? It's, it's, it, people shouldn't feel that guilty because, and also it's not really like, there's a, as I say, there's no evil player, but it's it's this dichotomy in the food system. So you, you've rightly mentioned about 40, 30, 40 years ago, you know, we had a real kind of case where obesity was rising and genuinely good intentions, food system looked at itself and thought, you know what, how can we start to make products or how can we improve the obesity of, of the nation and improve people's health? And one of those ways was, well, let's cut out fat. You know, fat has calories in, you know, if we cut out fat in products and make things low fat, you know, we're going to help people to lose weight. Never worked. People mm. got unhealthier. People got even more obese. And it's the same with, with some of the other things they introduced, right? Low sugar was another one. And actually, in actual fact, reducing sugar didn't have that much effect on the overall population because what they did is then they replaced it with these ultra-processed chemicals that came into our food system. So the last 40 years has been this dichotomy of kind of trying to help people but also it's gone the wrong way and it's become more, mm. more processed and, and more chemical. So yeah, it, it is a minefield, but I think that the real the real value comes from, and this is something that I really want to just, at least for the next five, 10 years of my life, is to really push forward, is we've got to get back to a place where we love and value ingredients in food yeah. than anything else, right? And the nutritional impact of food. As soon as we learn to love that, you know, we can start to look at products and we start to have demand as a consumer and leverage a cons- as a consumer for what we say at Well Easy, which is voting with your money. So you might be paying slightly more for a better product now, but at the same time, it's a vote for the product you want to see in the future because the more that brand gets sales, the more it can grow, the more demand that comes with it. So we need education and real good real good education to increase demand, but also that will bring the, the price down of the product. So it really is getting back to that, as you say, the love of just ingredients, what it does to our body, the nutritional value. And that's not, you know, to most people, that, that's never going to be restrictive because like, it's, it's a different place you're not restricting if anything it's more of a, like an abundance mindset right mm. you're looking for products that have a better value for you yeah and I think that's, that's something we really need to get back and, and a lot of the European countries they're still having their own issues but they do that quite well um, places like Greece and stuff they, they really do yeah. love their food and, and even in Italy it's a mealtime thing right? it's a big thing they love their food and fresh ingredients Italy's just banned um, the alternative meat stuff, right? The cellular-based meat. So oh. it's, it's the first country that's actually just banned that outright. Wow. And I think that speaks volumes to what they care about in their food chain. And until we can kind of get back to that love of our food, that's the real power. Definitely. And like in a quick fire round, you said, I, I asked you cook in or eat out and you said cook in. And I think that kind of sings to that a bit, like loving the ingredients, loving the process of like mm. cooking your food, what goes into it. And I think we are in a world, again, we're in a bit of a bubble in London, but we're in a bit of a world where like, Deliveroo, get food in quick, like grab and go. And it's like, can we just stop a minute and like look into what goes into all these foods, look into what we're eating and like just kind of go back in time a bit and yeah, enjoy the process, enjoy all the ingredients, take care and interest into what you're putting in your body. And I think if you just, I know, I mean, we're talking from passionate perspectives where we love our food and we love our health and well-being, and that's not the same for everyone, granted, but like just taking a little bit more of an interest in what goes into things you know, we're all people are, I don't know, they sign up to the gym or something. If you sign up to the gym, then take a bit of interest into what's on the back of the packets because mm-hmm. you're singing from the same hymn sheet there. And like, there's no point yeah. paying, I don't know, 25, 30 pound a month for a gym membership when you're still eating, 
your walkers and God knows what else in your in your yeah. cupboards. So yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's, it's still enjoyable as well, right? In the sense that I used to, like I mentioned to you at the start of the quick fire round, like occasionally I do love the five guys, right? Mm. Like I, I do love it, but I'm now in a position where I, I just make better choices when I go to those places. So like I wouldn't have the bread in five guys. I'd have that lettuce wrap that they have, mm. but I'll still have the, the burger. I'll get the vegetables and, and other stuff that's on top of it, right? Because I just, I just like that. And that's not something I have too often, but like you start to love the, the food process again right and it's not yeah. it's, it's just yeah it's just a different relationship yeah completely yeah. so I want to touch on running the business mm. um running a food business as you mentioned earlier is super challenging mm. like I remember from greedy vegan and like it's really really challenging so what have been some of the challenges that you have found obviously with food you've got shelf life you've got distribution you've got customers you've got it's a product with a ticking time bomb to an extent mm. I mean I know a lot of your product might be ambient but greedy vegan was a lot of fresh stuff and difficult. it's difficult yeah. so yeah explain a bit about running the business how you found it so as you mentioned purely ambient out of choice at the start right for, you know we'll look at more how we can get fresh back into the system you know as much as we can as we grow but yeah purely ambient so most of our products have six months plus shelf life so that allows us to be a little bit better operationally and again, having a curated range is also another benefit to, to stay in focus, allows you to have operational efficiency. So, you know, we've got X amount of products. We don't have to hold crazy amounts of stock because we've got th those products in stock. So there are a lot of operational efficiencies in this model. But yeah, it's a, it's, it's a really challenging one. And it's, it is difficult. And I think when you've got so many suppliers and such a small team because there's low margin, mm. you know, it, it does get really, really difficult. And there is so much more we'd love to do with the brands that we work with whether that's either helping them to have more marketing spend or working closer with them, but it, it often gets left to the back burner because you're prioritizing the business. So operationally is intensive. However, we made a very big decision early on that I kind of looked at the market and saw a lot of different models in this space. And like we've seen in the last few years, a lot of these businesses that have issues tends to be because they've got very high overheads. Mm. That could be having their own warehouse, having stores, you know, Planet Organic went under because of the store costs yeah. and things like that. So when you've got high overheads that you can't quite offset with, with demand, it gets really hard. So we, as a, as a kind of ethos that Josh and I have, we were kind of like, everything we can outsource for a good cost and good price, we'll outsource it until at a later point it makes sense to bring it in-house. Mm -hmm. So fortunately, we, we've positioned ourselves that we have partners for a lot of things. So fulfillment is all taken care of by one of our partners. That's been great. And that, you know, I'm quite proud of that decision that it's worked quite well for us so far. Mm. So that takes one headache away. But I think the, the other headache is, is honestly just a day-to-day -day of how do you grow, how do you balance stock, how do you manage the team when you're such a small team, you know, how do you get the right kind of goal setting in place and just learn that from scratch because we're first-time entrepreneurs as well to mm. some extent. We had a business before, but we didn't, you know, we've, raised, we've raised over a million for this now. Amazing. And so like we, we've got investors behind us and, and you, 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 know, you have a responsibility to them. And I've always felt mm. that. Was, I don't like that whole ethos of you raise money and like forget about it, you know, splash it. We've never been that way. Josh no. and I are very like... We owe people, you know, for, for what they've put. They've backed us. They've, put, they've trusted us. So, what are we going to do to deliver on that? So, I think that's that's the biggest thing. But mm. it's a big learning lesson for us, probably as you went through as well. If yeah. you can outsource, definitely outsource. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. And what about kind of personally? Like, how mm. have you found it? And where has wellness come into your life more so with Well Easy? Like, how do you kind of balance life? business and what kind of wellness practices have you kind of implemented in your life to help you with that so fortunately getting a team discount i get access to a lot of the products that i'd want to yeah. so yeah diet's pretty good diet's pretty good yeah whether that's collagen whatever it is supplement wise I could, i've got a lot of the stuff that i take um all comes from well easy so that's very helpful 
But I would say it's an interesting one because Josh and I usually laugh about this because one of the most probably unhealthy things you can do is to actually start a business and go all in on a business mm. because you're literally like most of the time you're sitting down on a daily basis I've, I've probably got back issues from how much I've been sitting down hunched over right and it's all consuming you yeah. know sleep does get affected like my sleep does get affected a lot if you have a bad day uh, relationships get strained you can't go out with friends as much financially you get strained it's another stress right so yeah. it's a very stressful thing it a stress inducing thing and it's not the, the healthiest thing per se but it also has made me realize, you know, that there's value even more in having routines and, and doing certain things. So every day I now do an ice bath in the morning. Wow. So I bought myself like a, a Lumi ice bath. So I do that every day. Um, make sure that I hydrate properly at the start of the day. So with electrolytes is what I do first. And then we'll mm. have a coffee probably about two hours later. And um, once I get into to the routine of things, I train twice a day usually. So I do some sort of like cardio, zone two training or something. And then some sort of weight training as well or CrossFit type stuff. So I train a lot now, more so than I used to. When we first started, I trained a bit less because mm-hmm. I kind of put on the back burner. But as the business has grown, a bit more time to train and stuff like that. So I think that's really important. And just managing relationships. like You haven't got time for everything, right? I sacrifice meeting my friends a hell of a lot. Yeah. They can do things, afford things that I can't at this moment in time. Yeah. And if I had time, I'd rather spend it with my girlfriend and, yeah. and do that on the weekends, right? And go even just go to the cinema or just do something. like we, we, you know, we, Fortunately, me and my girlfriend have a lot of shared issues. Uh, interests yeah the gym and stuff like that which is great um but yeah it's just time it's balancing time and, and, and yeah the family sometimes gets sacrificed and yeah it is a massive sacrifice, it is a sacrifice. but it is worth yeah. it and i think yeah you're right routine is huge 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 in all of this mm. and i remember with greedy vegan there was a time when i went and saw my friends and they were like oh we haven't seen you in ages i was like well actually the last time i saw you was the last time i saw anyone so like yeah. it has been ages mm. um and god you look in the mirror and you're like wow like i actually need to get out a bit because i've been so it's just when it's your baby like there's no off switch it's it's just constant and like I don't know about you but like you might sit on the sofa for five minutes and you suddenly feel the overwhelm of guilt like there's a million other things that I could be doing right now but sometimes you have to realize actually no this is probably good for me just to take five and just yeah but it is a it is always learning always adapting um but I mean yeah all those routines you mentioned sound pretty pretty good I'm I try and do a cold shower, but I'm still really pathetic with that one. Yeah, so it's I not think easy. it takes time. It does, it does. It takes a lot of time, but it is worth it. Um, yeah. So, what is the one well easy product that you could not live without? Oh, there's a couple. Mm-hmm. Not okay. Even the there's definitely a couple. At this moment in time, um, I've become a very big fan of collagen peptides. Mm-hmm. So I was taking them for a little while, but I'd be taking them regularly, like in my coffee, like most mornings. And to me, it has, it's had a massive impact just on just how I feel generally that day. Like it allows me to kind of not feel, I feel quite satiated with them. So I don't feel as hungry. Um, it's just a good source of protein for, mm. for the body as well. And it's just, it's unflavored. So you can have it in, in pretty much everything. So it's a really easy product to, to consume. And obviously for skin, you know, hair, mm. nails, I'd like to think it helps with my hair. But fortunately, I've got long hair compared to a lot of my friends. But yeah, uh, but yeah it, it, it's definitely a product that I've I've had a lot and I, I take that with another product that's absolutely staple to me which is exhale coffee and I have that decaf usually so I'm mm. on a bit of a decaf kick at the minute yeah I noticed but, you went for decaf yeah so on a, on a decaf kick but exhale coffee is like the highest quality coffee I think I've ever tried wow. and like we know them personally it's a good thing about being a founder you know people personally yeah so we know they genuinely mean it when they talk about how good their coffee is and I can taste the difference massively so so what is it coffee. about their coffee that's so different so I'm going to try not to scare you now. Okay. You're right, most, most coffees are fine. But occasionally, if you go for like a cheap coffee, mm-hmm. it can actually have mold in. 
Wow. So it's got like mycotoxins in. So it's got it's got different molds that it builds up over time from kind of the way they freeze dry it and other stuff they do to it. So it's always better to have beans and ground them yourself. That's kind of the, the best yeah. way. Yeah. But then also with Exhale, obviously they do a grounded version as well. But theirs is all kind of lab tested, completely mycotoxin free and the taste is just amazing as well. Nice. So probably a little bit of placebo effect in my head, but at the same time, it's no. But it's, I'm, I I'm, a, I'm a marketer's yeah. dream. I fall for all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff, and I yeah. probably would say I'm a bit of a coffee snob. Like in, I sounds bad, but I just you know all the main kind of giant Starbucks prep, all of those Costa. It's not not for me. Um, mm. So maybe I need to try that. That does sound yeah. It's, it's worth a try. Yeah, yeah that does it's, sound good. It's a good product, yeah. So we always finish with the same question, mm. which would be, what is your last meal? Starter, main course and dessert, what would it be? Well, it's a hard one. I, 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 I'm torn between, because I said Italian earlier, really yeah. my favourite cuisine. However, it's a mix between Italian, but I am, I am an animal-based person, so I do like a good steak. That okay. is that my, my, my thing. But I would say, starter for me, um, definitely a new one that I've implemented is having something really, really fibrous to start. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would definitely go for like a really nice like salad or dressed salad that was like, that might have like goat cheese in or a bit of cheese on top, but just mm-hmm. like a salad with a lot of olive oil, love yeah. olive oil, and just like a good dressing on top. That would mm-hmm. be like a, a perfect starter for me. Like yeah, kind of ease in. Ease in. Yeah. Um, and then I would say main, I'd, I'd be very torn. So yeah, it would either be um, a really nice piece of steak mm-hmm. with some veggies and, and, and like grilled veg alongside. Yeah. Would be like, unbelievable meal for me and then chips if we're talking like really nice meals yeah like really good like thrice cooked chips yeah as well like that. i would love that um or it would be a carbonara okay so good both good bo- bo- yeah so one of the two depends how i was feeling on the day um, okay the and then dessert and dessert what would dessert be i think for me it would probably be, have to be like chocolate brownie or something yeah you can't i do wrong. like chocolate and yeah would like a good ice cream as well yeah you, you can't, can't go, go wrong, wrong. can't go brownie. wrong I would, I would definitely go for some too. Sunny thank you yeah. so much for coming on this has been so interesting I think sometimes things like where you get your food from and supermarkets and ingredients just don't even like come to people nowadays I think it's just like routine oh I'm just gonna pop into Tesco pop into Sainsbury's and like we all live such busy lives. Sometimes we forget the simple things about like ingredients. So it's been so interesting to have this conversation with you. I think Wellesia are doing such a good job. I'm really excited to where it's going with you guys. I think, you know, it takes time to get to even where you are now. And I think, you know, skip five years, 10 years. I think it's really, really exciting where it's going to be. So thank you so much for coming on. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure you check out Well Easy, as if like me, you love getting your hands on great brands and cooking with nutritious ingredients, then Well Easy will be a game changer and also a huge money saver for you. You could end up saving up to £250 a year just on your favourite health and wellbeing products. As always, please continue to support the podcast, share us on your socials, let us know what you think, and make sure you press that follow button wherever you get your podcast. Thank you guys so much again and see you next week.